Hello, and welcome to the Family Dad Podcast. Today we are looking at... Together. Together. Sorry. I go with the Instagram name. <laughs> it's just Family Dad Podcasts. Um, we are doing 6, 7, and 8 of Gentle and Lowly. And Mom actually said she liked Chapter 6. Mm-hmm. It was so a good chapter. Expect her to talk about it. <laughs> Y'all just have to get me started. <laughs> Well, six is, I will never cast out, John 637. Whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. So, we made it good. (laughs) You put me on the spot. Um, Just how that, even though we are sinful... Jesus still looks at us with sympathy and he doesn't look at us as the dirty, rotten human beings that we are. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't expect us to be perfect. He's okay that we're not okay and we keep screwing up over and over. Yeah. We moved from a Goodwin to Bunyan. Yeah. We did go to Bunyan. <laughs> We're not common. To, well, I mean, Goodwin was still in it. He but comes back. He comes back, but Bunyan was in this one a lot. Yeah. Which, Pilgrim's Progress, if you haven't read that, I won't say it's riveting, but <laughs> it's, it's classic some, Christian it's literature. something. Yeah. I haven't read it in a long time. C.S. Lewis has a version called The Pilgrim's Regress. It was pretty good. I mean, it's Lewis. It's Lewis. He's pretty good. I did pick up on 60 because, you know, I'm always looking, trying to figure out where people, their theological foundation, and this guy, I haven't really just got where he's at yet, but down toward the bottom of 60 where he says, uh, will come, where he's breaking down the verse. So, so John 6, all, all, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. Um, down toward the bottom where it's the will come, God's saving purpose for a sinner is never thwarted. He is never frustrated. He never runs out of resources. And I underline, if the Father calls us, we will come to Christ. Mm-hmm. In Calvinism, that's the tulip. It's the eye. It's irresistible grace. Yeah. So, I mean, it's... That's a very Calvin thing, but then the the very next part, and whoever comes, yet we are not robots. While the Father is clearly the sovereign overseer of our redemption, we are not dragged kicking and screaming into Christ against our will. Uh, Divine grace is so radical that it reaches down and turns around our very desires. Our eyes are opened. Christ becomes beautiful. Um, That is a... uh, uh, prevenient grace yeah. so that's the idea that grace moves on us to give us a taste of him mm-hmm. so it awakens our taste buds to who he is so I mean it's kind of got these two different two different guys going on there it's kind of interesting yeah I, I had underlined above that it says the father himself ordains our deliverance mm, yeah, he takes too. the loving initiative very much that it comes from which that's in Narnia um Aslan says, you would not have called to me unless I were calling to you. Mm-hmm. That idea. So the idea of like it changes what we would naturally desire. Like the grace just so overwhelms it that it changes what we would want. I think that's one of the interesting things that I've seen just working in the five different denominations I've been in is everybody's trying to figure that out and, and try to word it in a way. But they all kind of really say the same thing no matter where they fall on how sovereign God is in it, the drawing of us, whether it's us just responding to him or he really not just initiating but but driving it or if it's a, a will of our own before his work. So it's kind of these these three veins of like God wills it ahead of time. You really don't have a choice. 
God works in the middle of it, drawing you in. There's a bit of a choice in there, but you're, you're so wooed that you really can't help it. <laughs> and then the whole thing of it's all on you up front, and then after you come to this realization on your own, this brokenness on your own, then God responds to that. Um, but all three really will say something to the effect that God was working beforehand. Yeah. And it's just how deep it is, you know. Um, the big argument people get into is like when you are actually regenerated. Like, do you become a new person before you respond? Because if you didn't, would you respond? <laughs> Or did yeah. you become a person because you responded? Yeah. You know, that's where people really have a hard time. But but really all of those veins, you, you still have, it all comes back to outside of God doing something in the first place. You wouldn't come. Right. And It's like chicken or the egg argument. Mom's thinking hard over there. <laughs> it's just, that's just something I don't want to get into. <laughs> I think that's a lot of people. You get into that free will versus predestination, prevenient grace, whatever you want to call it. Because I remember when I was student teaching, I was student teaching junior English, um, and we read. We were going to read the Crucible, but a lot of times before you read the Crucible, you read Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And in oh, the gosh. textbook we were using, it went into an explanation of Calvinism. Why I don't know. But predestination came up, and the, the woman I was student teaching under knew that you guys were in ministry. So she asked me if I knew what it meant, and I like had to try to explain predestination to these juniors in high school. And they just got ticked off, because they were like, you mean God sends people to hell? And I was like, if you don't care about theology, like, that's not even... Because <laughs> most people don't want to get that deep into it. <laughs> because the sovereignty of God... Is scary. <laughs> is yes. you want you just want to understand it. No, and, you, it's too I mean, big. Chuck Chuck Swindoll is the one that I he isolated that one for me. He 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 said if you want a subject that you will never run out of study, <laughs> study the sovereignty of God. Yeah. He said because you'll never you'll never exhaust that subject. Yeah. Because it all comes back to that, like how much of the work was his and at what point, like from the beginning. At creation, was he already there? Was that a part of the whole plan from day mm -hmm. one? I mean, it's 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 really interesting when you get to it, but just be willing to say, I don't know. Right. But at the crux of it is, and the, the thing I liked about this chapter so much is, ultimately the idea is he wanted us and, mm -hmm. and at our worst. And that's, so even, so when you sit and go, I don't care, well, the part that causes me to care is it, it shows me in his nature that he desires us. Yeah. Like that's that's the beautiful part of it, you know. I underline in that same section the Christ becomes beautiful part and I made a note about Doctor Who. Because <laughs> if you've ever watched Doctor Who, the pawns are the best part. Rory and Amy. But there's one part she's like talking to a future version of herself or something but she's talking about Rory her husband and Rory is a very goofy looking guy like he's not traditionally handsome or whatever but she says um she's talking about sometimes you see people and they're instantly like physically attractive and you think oh I'm gonna really like this person but then you talk to him and it's like oh you're like a dumber than a box of rocks you know and they're not attractive anymore she said but then there's other people and when you see them they're you're like yeah they're okay but then the longer you get to know them, she says, their face sort of becomes them, and they become really beautiful. And she says, Rory's the most beautiful man I've ever met, because his heart has become his face. And I, I wrote that in there, like, for me, that's the reason of reading this book, is I'm trying to get to that place with Jesus, of, this is the most beautiful person I've ever met. But I, I gotta know him personally, not intellectually, for that to happen. Mm -hmm. Well, that next part down where it says, we come to a person. Yeah. To Christ himself. We don't, what we do not. On? 61. We do not even come to the gospel. All these are vital, but most truly we come to a person. Yeah. And then I love the fact, you know, it comes down in 61. I mean, I'm, I'm going to push us. I'm going to push our rhythm <laughs> a little bit because we've just been in two pages right now. <laughs> um that whole bottom paragraph of that page where he talks about just the fact that we're afraid to come to Christ because we think we'll be rejected. 
-hmm. but like the whole thing that they've been building so far is like that's not gonna happen yeah Yeah. and even the next couple of pages does the same thing yeah I really liked the conversation in this yeah in chapter 6 I like that a lot it's like I am a great sinner say you I will in no wise cast you out says Christ it's like every excuse we give he's like I will in no way cast you out no wise cast you out yeah yeah this is when I figured out that I have I am waiting for the time that he says alright that's it I can't do it anymore (laughs) yeah you know I'm kind of that way with people, too. I just expect people to get sick of it after a while and be like, I am done. <laughs> You're on your own, you know? Yeah. And Don't I worry, think honey. that's why it hit me. I've lived through all your crazy. <laughs> you signed the contract, Every buddy. Every part of the crazy. And I think that's why like books like Redeeming Love hit such a yeah. chord, which Redeeming Love is based on Hosea, but it's the... <clears throat> By the way, if you haven't read Redeeming Love, so good. It is so good. <laughs> it is. It's good. It's it's Hosea is what it yeah, is, but it's it's set. It's like Western. It's, it's the Gold Rush, California. It sounds too much like a Lifetime movie just by the title. Well, now you can watch it. Now you can watch it. Oh, even better on Lifetime. No. Oh, okay. We no. went to Cinemark to watch it. It yeah. came out in theaters, and they did an excellent job. Did they? Yeah, but we will watch it. Yeah, yeah. I'll watch it. But yeah, Hosea, Hosea, God tells Hosea to marry a prostitute and she just keeps going back to prostitution and he has to go get her and bring her back home over and over and over and over again. And that that's God with us. Like he's going to keep bringing you back. And it gets frustrating when you're watching the story or reading the story. You're like, how many times yeah. is she going to run away? She's being so stupid. <laughs> Somebody wants to love her. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. that's what this is. I mean, is. that's... <laughs> well, that's Jesus standing in front of Jerusalem. Yeah. One of the one of the, the one of the pictures when I went to Israel, the things that that I will remember, uh, was there was this one spot to where they had a stand over and you're looking over the old Jerusalem down there and and it is where Jesus looks over it it's where they think he was standing when he looks over it and he says, How I would have gathered you up and he's just his heart's breaking over the people because mm-hmm. It, and he portrays the heart of God because God is looking at these people that have turned their back, turned their back, turned their back. And, and he's just like, I desire you so much. Mm-hmm. And, like, I would I would do anything, uh, anything. And, like, I, I remember that was a poignant moment for me, just thinking that that's the way he looks at, not just, you know, they're the, they're the, the promised people, but it was the promise that was pushed out to us mm-hmm. and because of them. And even at the bottom of the page we was just talking about, I read, you know, I underlined promise and then wrote in big letters promise because it's not just a empty thing. He's saying the promise was provided to answer all objections yeah, and does answer them. It makes me think of there is a um, documentary. I think it might be on Netflix. I can't remember which network it's on. But it's Jeffrey Dahmer and his dad, and his and they're talking to a reporter, and his dad is answering questions from this reporter, and he just talks about him. He just says he's my son, and he knows all the things that he's done because this is after you know it all came out and he had been arrested, and he still loves him. You know he's he's still my son. Yeah. And that speaks, that goes deeper into the gospel. Like, it speaks to your identity. Like, it's not what kind of person I am. It's who I am. Yeah, yeah. I am a no. child. Yeah. And I will no, in no wise cast you out. Yeah. Like, that's, that's, I, I was telling Mom, though, like, this, I, did, I don't struggle. I think it's Hebrews 4 where it talks about coming boldly before the throne for to obtain mercy and grace. Like I've that's been one thing that I've just had in my head for for the longest time that is like no that, yep no problem like I don't I don't struggle that I'm ever too dirty to come mm-hmm. because I know that I've been dirtier and I know well I mean you know but the thing that that I struggle with is is and I, I always fight against the idea of the prosperity gospel. Mm-hmm. But, and so, like, I believe, okay, he'll take care of us. He'll provide the bare minimum. 
Like, there's no point to where I think, I always think I don't deserve anything. Like, why would he, why would I expect to have anything more? Yeah. Because that's the part that I struggle. Like, yeah. and, and he wants, you know, I don't know how far this reaches. I, I, again, I will, I, I have an internal battle that happens with all of that because of the prosperity idea. But, but like, as a dad, I know that I want the everything for y'all. And so, like, I can't think of that any differently. You know, he doesn't want to spoil us, but he wants to bless us. I hate that word. But he wants to, I don't know. It's been cheapened. It's been cheapened so much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's the, that's the part that I struggle with more than the coming to him. I live in that, too, because I've come back to... Uh... An interview Rich Mullins did. He wrote that song "Doubly Good," which is um, if if you have found your spouse, thank the Lord he's been doubly good to you. And somebody on a radio station asked him, they were like, "So are you saying he hasn't been doubly good to single people? Like he's only been doubly good to married people?" And and Rich Mullins says, "Well, why would we expect him to be singly good to us? Like we don't." We don't deserve that either. My brain always goes back to that. Probably a knee-jerk reaction to prosperity gospel, but just like, I'll take the scraps off the table because I don't feel like I deserve anything. Thank you for the scraps. Yeah, so I'm not going to ask for... I, I have trouble asking for big things because I think, well, what what do I need that for? What do I deserve that for? You know? That's There's another Braveheart reference, but there's that point to where the the nobles are fighting over the lands and the titles and and he's talking to you know William Wallace is talking to his his guys and he's and and them too he's like you he that king Longshanks just gives you this little stuff to appease you mm-hmm. and you're just sitting here squabbling over the scraps yeah that's all you you're just you're fighting to the death over the scraps and like there's so much more and you know he's just calling them to more things and yeah I did underline uh, or no I'll just draw arrows arrows next to it just because my nerd popped out down toward the bottom of 63 it says no wait we say cautiously cautiously approaching Jesus you don't understand I've really messed up in all kinds of way I know (laughs) (laughs) I saw that I'm like yes <laughs> that whole conversation, yeah. that whole section. Yeah. Yeah, I drew a little I bomb. Mean, I drew a little bomb at the end of it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he says <clears throat> the burden is heavy and heavier all the time. And then he says, "Let me carry it." But it's too much. It's too much. Yeah. You know? Not for me. And that's that whole of I don't like to inconvenience people. Well, <laughs> yeah. I do that with him too. Yeah, I can't give this to you. Well, I, I can't expect you to take care of this. I think it's I've chosen to pick it up. So yeah. why would I expect you to take it over? Like, mm-hmm. it's my burden. I got it. I picked it up. Okay, I'll just carry it. I got it. You know, hey, it's not your problem. It's my problem. I did this to myself. Well, I just tell myself there's people with bigger problems. Yep. Yeah. yeah. This isn't worth you messing with. Like, it, there's other people with bigger It goes ones. back to what prayer requests are worth saying. Huh? Yeah. I don't want to bother you. Mine this. are never worth yeah, saying. No. <laughs> well, my aunt doesn't have cancer, so yeah. why would I say it? Yeah. Yeah. That's, yep. <laughs> I mean, I guess go into my work world but you know as a guy that i'm in technology we get all the questions and and um you'll have you got two different kinds but you have these people that will come and they'll start with every time i know you're busy that's fine i'm busy whatever but like do you have a problem for me then absolutely bring it i i got i got what you need i can figure it out Mm -hmm. you know I, i got this let's 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 deal with it. Let's take care of it and, and bring it every time. And and then, then you got some that call you, and these are the ones I don't want to deal with, is the ones that call and they've already got it figured out. It's like, then why are you calling me? <laughs> if you've got the answer figured out, then 
okay, you don't need me, then go ahead and struggle until you realize you don't have the answer. Yeah. And when you don't, you can still call me back. Like, go ahead and call me, but if you're coming to me telling me what your solution is, <laughs> then you don't need me. Yeah. But that solution's probably not going to work. <laughs> yeah. If you was that confident in it, then you wouldn't call me. Yeah. And, and yep. I'm trying to see why I wrote it at the top of 60. Six, I wrote the security of the Savior. Eternal oh, he was talking about eternal security at the bottom. Yeah, yeah, glorious doctrine, true doctrine, sometimes called the perseverance of the saints. What we called it was security of the Savior. It was Uh-oh. it was the basis that he can be trusted. He who held you is still holding on to you. It's not. Well, and I liked the image that he gave right before that. He was talking about his two-year-old son walking into a pool. And he said, a two-year-old... What can only hold on to you so well because they don't have the strength to hold on to you. So the two-year-old thinks I'm holding on to dad and they feel secure in that, but they don't realize, you know, when they fall, dad's holding on even tighter. Like, so it's like it's we, his holding on. It's that's his holding on them. that's holding. Yeah, mm-hmm. keeping them there. So like we think we're clinging on to Christ, but his hold is so much more mm-hmm. secure. We just don't even realize. We think we're doing the clinging, mm-hmm. which makes me think of that whole footprints in the sand thing (laughs) yeah i mean i know i know but when you're a new christian and you read that for the first time yeah you're like oh he's carrying me yeah you know he's not just walking with me he's not just holding my hand he is carrying me and he walks with me yeah, yeah, yeah. If anybody ever asks you what God's first name is, it's Andy. Andy. Andy walks with me. <laughs> I feel like we I feel like we sound like the biggest cliches. I know. <laughs> I know. But the, I don't At know how else some reason cliches exist. Yeah. Yeah. Is because you know, they're true. Yeah. But but no, even in that, I mean the thing that we grew up really with a complete opposite message of this mm. was was we we had to well even back up in that page 65 the only thing required to enjoy such love is to come to him to ask him to take us in he does not say whoever comes to me with sufficient contrition whoever comes to me feeling bad enough for their sin whoever comes to me with Double efforts. He says, whoever comes, I will never cast out. Yeah. Like, we said those things, but we didn't really believe those things. Like, it was, you had to, like, look at that person up there crying so much. (laughs) And it's like, I wasn't wired that way. So, like, I couldn't have that kind of contrition. I mean, literally, my, my initial coming to Jesus was me looking in the mirror and calling myself an asshole and and it was like like I'm a mess and I, it was, you know it was before work 3 3.30 in the morning and just like I absolutely hated the person I saw and I was like I'm an asshole and this is all you got and I'm done with this guy like I don't I don't like anything about him and so I'm done with him and it wasn't it wasn't contrition as much as it was self-loathing. Oh. And it's like, and you, here's what I've been hearing is that you love me and that you you welcome in the messes. So here you go. Sorry, that's what you got. And I mean, that was, that was really the move. But it wasn't, it was loathing. It was pure loathing. But that was a, a Holy Spirit awakening. I think it's interesting because, and Ethan, you can probably connect to it too, like my salvation experience was so young that I never had that initial sense of, I mean, I was like five, like six maybe. Like you don't, you understand that you do wrong. You understand that you break rules, but it's not like 
I am incapable of not sinning. Like you, I didn't. I was well into being a Christian before I had that realization of, yeah, I cannot not sin. You know, so then it was later, and it was doubt, like it. So it wasn't an initial self-loathing that turned me to salvation or turned me to Christ. It was after I had found Christ. Then it was, well, you you can't love me. Like, I keep getting worse <laughs> because yeah. you, your sins become adult sins. Like, it's different. Yeah. Okay. Anything else on that chapter? And I've got some stuff, but... I think six was full of lots of really good sentences. <laughs> there were a lot of good sentences. Yeah, there were a lot of good, just very quotable lines. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there's, like at the end it says, For those united to him, the heart of Jesus is not a rental. It is your new permanent residence. You are not a tenant. You are a child. Yeah. Stuff like that. Like really good yeah, analogies. Re and, yeah. Yeah. It's him saying the same things over and over again in lots of different good quotable things. Yeah. Lots of things you can hang on your living room wall. <laughs> Stitch on a pillow. Yeah. Yeah. So much cross-stitching cross, cross opportunities. And then, start of seven, he brings up hell. <laughs> I know, right? He started into seven and I'm like, oh no. What are we doing? He didn't talk about it for very long, though. No, he's just... Hidden. The foundation. Yeah. Because that's yeah. a question a lot of people have. It's like, well, if God's so loving. Oh, yeah. How does he send people to hell? And there's a lot of different theories on that. Yeah. Um. Which his, his point, as far as I can tell, his only real point there is we feel the wrath is too strong because we don't understand the weight of sin. Mm -hmm. Like we, we think hell is an overstated punishment because we don't understand the badness of what sin is. And I think that's really all he kind of had to say about it. Sometimes I think, sometimes I get concerned about thinking with too much grace like mm -hmm. am I becoming numb to sin am I just excusing sin oh you fully embraced it <laughs> you heathen yeah. <laughs> <laughs> am I allowing people to stay in their sin right but then you have to say wait a minute I'm not the one who pulls them out of sin. Mm -hmm. It's not my responsibility. You know, I can yeah. go in that whole circle over and over and over again. <laughs> yeah. Like, it isn't, and I have to keep telling myself, it is not my job. It is not my job. That's the hard part. Yeah. It's, I think we've talked about this, I'm not really sure, on the podcast, but we've talked about it together, but it's that idea of a low view of the Holy Spirit. That yeah. That if he will no wise cast anybody out. So people come to him. Then we have to trust the Holy Spirit to do what only the Holy Spirit can do. And that's that's the side to where, that's the struggle. And I think one of the big struggles too we have, or I have with, with church, is it when it becomes an organization... You, you get into that thing to where you have to define your organization and you have to have, you know, as a as an American business, you know, a church is recognized as a religious business mm -hmm. by, you know, for various reasons. And so as a business to, and as, a, or as an organization, you have to have rules mm -hmm. to govern that and it just grows. It you know start off it's like well we're gonna love love God and love people. That's gonna be our rules. That's what we're gonna do. You know, and then all of a sudden you've got to start having, you start buying property as an organization, and that's when things get tricky. Yeah. Or when you file as a five hundred one three c that you're a, you know, a, a 
nonprofit organization, and now you've got to have standards within that. And and so the problem happens is churches have to respond to things to try to protect their identity. Yeah. And they have to do it on paper, and it becomes it becomes legalistic in some ways and it's hard mm-hmm. but the way structure is it's like I don't know how you do it any other way I really don't Ethan and I have talked about that because the only th- only way I can rationalize it is we, we call each other brothers and sisters in Christ and like my relationship with Ethan my job is not to discipline him it has never been to discipline him that's y'all's job and if I think he's doing something that's problematic, I can come to you and say, hey, I think this is a problem, but it's not my job to correct him. It's to come to you in full faith, knowing you are more than capable. Not more anymore, capable than it's I not am. our problem. Not anymore, but like growing up, like <laughs> as a sister, that is not my job. It's Emily's and problem. As, <laughs> yep. <laughs> as, as a sister. We're all handed it <laughs> yeah. It wasn't my job until they showed up at my apartment and were like, he's moving in. But yeah, like <laughs> as a sister, my job is not to correct him. It's just to be supportive. And if he comes to me with a question, like, yeah, I'll answer it. And we do that with our brothers and sisters in Christ. If you come to me with a question, I'll, like, I'll help you find the answer. But it's not my job to correct you. I am not your parent. God is your parent. The Holy Spirit can correct you. Mm-hmm. That is, I am here as a sibling. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yep. Because I'm a sinner too. But then you get in when you start building those organizations. You build you then you've got people in leadership, and well, they are in leadership. Like there is some accountability there, so yeah. then it changes. Which, but. <laughs> which makes me think in the Bible when what he says when they wanted a king. Yeah. You know. Why do you want a king? Mm-hmm. Why do you want a leader? Yeah. You know? Like, but then there's me, but I'm not enough. Mm-hmm. We've done it to ourselves. Yeah. Because <laughs> okay. we always want something tangible. Yeah. He does bring out the the idea of the grace being a person again he says in the biblical gospel we are not given a thing we are given a person mm-hmm. uh, he says there's no such thing as grace the grace is Jesus Christ like the grace of God is Jesus Christ yeah, yeah. he talks about I wrote in the margins above that I wrote means of grace and he talks mm-hmm. about the means of grace which was a thing that I was introduced to at with Todd and Justin um I remember asking him, like, what is what is that phrase? What does that mean? But it really is just the, so like your communion and your worship and uh, just, you know, bap- baptism, these different ways that we experience grace. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, he's saying it doesn't have to be this structured thing like that, that grace came as a person. And so... We don't relate with that stuff. We relate with him. All right. What do you got? <laughs> Alex is handing me her book because <laughs> I left mine at work. Which means I had to read her book. Which means I just read all of the lines that Alex underlined. <laughs> So that's what he's going to talk about right now. <laughs> first first paragraph, last paragraph, anything that Alex points at or highlights or draws a box around or underlines <laughs> or references in her notes. <laughs> and, and that's that's all I need. <laughs> so we get back to Goodwin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In 70. Um, but he talks about really... The page before that, he talks about like, okay, how does then how does Jesus react to sin? Mm-hmm. And but at the bottom of seventy, he says there is comfort concerning such infirmities that 
in that your very sins move him to pity more than to anger. Uh, all his anger is turned upon your sin to ruin it. Yes, his pity is increased the more towards you, even as the heart of a father is to a child that is has some loathsome, loathsome disease. Loathe some disease. <laughs> Couldn't get that S out. Disease. Or as one is to a member of his body that has leprosy. He hates not the member, for it is his flesh, but the disease. Which I wrote in the side, one of my worst things I hear from people. Hate the sin, not the sinner. Yeah. But, I mean, that's what he's saying. He's like, he hates that thing that's killing us. Yeah. It, it makes me think of this. When Ethan was um, a baby... He got a really bad diaper rash. And the doctor told me, you know, the best thing you can do, he gave me stuff to put on there, but he says the best thing you can do is just leave his diaper off as often as you can so he can get it aired out, you know. <laughs> and, and this is, it brings it to my mind because, you know, baby poop is not pleasant. Nobody nope. likes to clean up baby poop. But babies poop themselves, and you have to clean them up. You still love them. You still clean them. And I just remember feeling emotional, like there's nothing he can do to make this better. And you want to do all you can to make it better. Yeah. So you, you got to weed through the yeah yucky stuff. <laughs> You know, but he's still yours and you still love him no matter what it looks like. So even when he had really runny poops and it was in there and you knew he had this diaper rash and it was burning and it was really uncomfortable, you just wanted to remove it. <laughs> Am I making any sense? Yes. Yeah. And so that's kind of, that kind of helps me relate, like... Yeah, I keep doing the stupid stuff, and I just keep, but he just looks at me and says, okay, yeah, it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. You know? I, I think the analogy of a disease, like, makes it more apparent that, like, there is, un there's conscious sin that, yeah, we make the decision, but God is fully aware that we, it is not our fault that we are sinful. Like, there's no way for us not to be until we are fully reconciled in eternity so it's 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 not your fault you're sick you know like it's you're sick we're a broken world we're a broken people and he understands that and he's given us the cure for that the solution for it but it does take that uh, like i don't have to be perfect because i can't be perfect because i am sick mm -hmm. yeah and that makes that click more yeah yeah it's a disease yeah Sometimes you just gotta air it out. <laughs> yeah, moral of the story is don't wear pants. Just air it out, yeah. <laughs> Who needs Everything pants? is fixed when you don't wear I'm, pants. I'm understanding why Ethan is less modest than I am. <laughs> I mean, have you met our mother? That's true. Um, skipping ahead a bit, I really like the last paragraph of this chapter, which is, Our hearts gasp to catch up with this. It is not how the world around us works. It is not how our own hearts work. But how, but we bow in humble submission, letting God set the terms by which he will love us. Uh, I like the, it's not our job to understand. Well, I think the paragraph before that sets that up really well, because I underlined a couple of things in it. But mm -hmm. he says, uh, just as we so easily live with a diminished view of his punitive judgment of God, so a low view, kind of where he was building in the beginning. Mm -hmm. So we have a low view of the, the catastrophe of sin. That, so we have such a diminished view of that, of God that will sweep over those out of Christ. So we easily live with a diminished view of the compassionate heart of God sweeping those in Christ. Mm -hmm. So it's like, yeah, we don't want to talk about, okay, what it means. And again, there's there's so many different ideas of where that, that the annihilation, annihilation is, is the, the prominent uh, progressive idea today is that you will 
eventually hell is not eternal that you will you will be annihilated at some point oh. um, so it's not a forever punishment I mean that's that's kind of the that's the one that Richard Rohr and that whole bunch is really getting to get foothold now with younger people um, I don't know I don't I don't know where I'll land in that I don't spend a lot of time thinking about it uh, but either way it sounds like it sucks it, uh, you know, whether you're, you're, you're going to live for eternity or you're just going to disappear. You're going to be non-existent anymore or you're going to, you know, who knows. Um, so either way, there's an idea that it's going to be worse for those that are outside of Christ. But those in Christ, we have a diminished view of the, the compassion he has toward those that are in him. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but then... I mean, he talks about some of what we was talking about earlier, but he said is that it is not our loveliness that wins his love. It's our unloveliness. Yeah. Well, he, he says it's earlier in the chapter, but he's like, you know, well, if Christ is perfect, like, shouldn't he withdraw from sin? Like, shouldn't that push him away? But he talks about, yes, the purer a heart, the harder it is for them to witness sin and be around sin, but also the purer the heart, the more compassionate it is. And like a a sinful heart doesn't care about others. It's easy to be indifferent when you're sinful. Jesus can't be indifferent because he is pure. So when we are in our worst sin, he is even more drawn to compassion because he can't be indifferent. Like it's he yeah. sees it. He can't not see it. So if he's not indifferent, what is he? Yeah. Is it punitive or is it therapeutic? Right. Yeah. And that's the the picture that they use. Is it's it's not punitive. Mm-hmm. It's, it's therapeutic. Yeah. He's he's partnering with you to bring healing to you in the midst of this disease. Yeah. And he does talk about like physical therapy, like treatment for disease is not comfortable. Mm-hmm. It hurts. Oh, physical therapy. If you ain't hurting when you get there. Yeah. It sucks, but you have it's to do it. Hurt. Yeah. You, know, you have to go through pain to get come out the other side healed. Mm-hmm. So it might feel punitive, but it's actually therapeutic. <laughs> And he quotes Hosea, which is a good book. My heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. I will not execute my burning anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim. For I am God and not a man, the Holy One in your midst, and I will not come to wrath. Like, and he's really working hard to paint the compassionate and loving heart of God. Yeah. And I hear... And I, we were talking about that with the Romans the other day, but the picture when of the Old Testament, which is always difficult, but really you can look at the Old Testament in a couple of different ways. One is you see this wrathful God, but also you have to see this compassionate God because, yes, you do see these moments of anger, but in all reality, in his, in his holiness... He should have destroyed everybody. Yeah. So he is showing compassion and restraint by not by not doing it. And so you can see the Old Testament in that vein too. Mm-hmm. There was one thing, 73, he's got that real long note at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Did you read that? I did. It's like, it talks about anthropomorphism, which is when the Bible, like, basically personifies God like we talk about his hand or something like that which isn't a literal because he's not actually a human yeah but then there's the emotional side which is anthropopathism is that I guess that's how you say it but it's talking about the emotions of God but they're not the same as ours because we're very fickle and our emotions are imperfect but we can only use our understanding of emotion to describe his emotion so when we talk about his wrath and his compassion and whatever, like it's not the same as ours because ours is imperfect. But we can only understand it to some. I thought that was interesting. Like even as we're trying to understand his wrath versus his grace, like even then we can't understand the fullness of what those mean because mm-hmm. <laughs> he's so big. You know, one thing that I have been thinking a lot about lately. and I don't really know why, but when people ask you, what do you love about so-and-so? Yeah. Why do you love them? What is it about them that you love? 
And if somebody asked me that about Randy, well, I don't really know. You know? <laughs> I'm not saying... I don't know. I don't like any what of it. What are you talking about? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't really know. Right. We fit. I yeah. don't know. We just fit. I mean, we've been... I was laughing. I was laughing thinking today. We, we've made some life decisions this week. And, but we were... I don't know, one day this week, I was just like at the end of my rope. I've had a dark couple of weeks, and and I was just at the end of my rope, and I was like, you know what, screw it. I'm just going to say what I'm thinking, and I did. And then at one point, we just look at each other and laugh, and it's like, we've got to start talking. <laughs> but it's not that we don't talk. It's that we are so protective of each other's feelings. Yeah. Like, we are really overly, like, I, there's a lot of things that I just don't tell her or say to her that I'm thinking or going through because I just don't want her to carry that weight. You mean like, you don't want to inconvenience her? Not, <laughs> not, not just that. I mean, it's, but yes. Yeah. But it's, it's just, I don't want to add extra stresses to her life. And, yeah. and she's the same with me. Like there's things that she was thinking and it was like, and then when we talk, we're like, okay, we're both thinking the same thing. So let's just, you know, but, but, I never want to be a burden to her. And she thinks the same about me, so we don't unburden on each other. <laughs> but then you're both burdened. But then, we're both, <laughs> but then we're so in sync with each other that we can tell that the other one's burdened. And, and then everybody's grouchy and nothing's fun. <laughs> yeah. Then we stop talking. And then we... We are just silent. We, I go into, I suppress, 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 and she suppress, 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 and... Well, I think, Mom, like, what you're talking about, like, there are things that initially attract you to someone, like, you're attracted to their sense of humor, or you're attracted to nope. their compassionate side, or, you know, you those different things, but but if you talk about love, like, you can't say I love them because of this, because what if that goes away? Yeah. I don't have a butt anymore. Well, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm still she here. Was, yeah, she's still here. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's that's what I'm saying. Is yeah, you can't. I can't give you a list of reasons. If that makes it conditional. Yeah, and I can't give you. I can give you some things that God has done for me over the years mm -hmm. that caused me to have affection for Him. Mm -hmm. He just made me handsome. <laughs> and charming. <Yeah. laughs> I mean, at this point, it's been so long. Like, you're just part of me. Like, it really yes. is. Yes, I know. We're I just, mean, it's just... What did we... Julie asked us some... Somebody asked us a couple of days ago. It wasn't her. Well, if it's... I don't know which question you're asking, but... It was him, wasn't it? Yeah. And I said, well, really, we're just codependent. Ask if we got tired of each other, because we... Yeah. We got tired of each other. It's like, no, we, we're worse when we're not around each other. <laughs> but, yep, codependence at its best. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Or it's just 30 years of... <laughs> yeah. Alex and I can tell you that when they've been away from each other for a while, we're like, you need to be with Dad. <laughs> like, go on a date or something. Yeah, like, like, go spend some time Go away. We would do that you're, as teenagers. getting cranky. Yeah, we knew that as kids. We'd be like, y'all need to go do something. We'll go to Granny Batball's. Like, y'all go do something. <laughs> So yeah. the next chapter. <laughs> Last one. On task. <laughs> Last chapter. Uh, Hebrews 7.25, he always lives to make intercession for them, which we talked about this the last time. I didn't realize this was coming, but yeah. I, we talked about him being a mediator. Yeah. And, um, I mean, that's really what this whole Yeah, it just explains what about. intercession is. Yeah. What is he doing now? I think that was helpful, like, the first time I read it, because I don't know that anybody had ever gone through and explained intercession to me. Yeah, it was, yeah. <laughs> it was one of the, he started using that word, and I was like, I don't know. And then he gets to, what is intercession? And I was yeah. like, okay, this is good. Thank you. <laughs> what yeah. is intercession? Uh, it's, in general terms, it means that a third party comes between two others and makes a case, no others. To one on behalf of the other. Think of the parent interceding to a teacher on behalf of a child who, or an agent interceding to a sports franchise on behalf of an athlete. Again, the uh, mediator 
because mm-hmm. Hebrews uses that. We have but one mediator between man and God, and that's Christ Himself. Yeah, and that's and we talked about that actually when you, that question you asked me the other day, mm-hmm. when you was asking what the Holy Spirit did. Yeah, and you know that's if you remember that's what I was talking about. It was like this is what Jesus is doing. Is He's just being our lawyer with God, saying here's yeah. what I did. Yeah, here's what here's the here's the penalty that's been paid. Here's here's what's due. Here's what's been paid. It's taken care of. Okay, so this person, according to the law, has been vindicated. Yeah. The the, the thing here is like the question is why does why does he keep having to intercede because it was finished, right? He said is it is finished. Like we the atonement is taken care of. So why is he still interceding? And that's what this chapter really talked about was like why is that intercession still happening if the job is done mm-hmm. atonement accomplished our salvation intercession is the moment by moment application of that atoning work yeah in the past Jesus did what we na- what he now talks about in the present Jesus talks about what he did then mm-hmm. yeah there's one part he talks about um, on 80 he says the son's intercession does not reflect the coolness of the father but the sheer warmth of the son. Christ does not intercede because the father's heart is tepid toward us but because the son's heart is so full toward us. So it's not that God forgets that he forgave us. It's just that Jesus' warmth is so overflowing that he's constantly... He's excited about you. Yeah. I like it here on page 80 where it says intercession is the constant hitting refresh of our justification in the court of heaven. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Clear my cookies and reset the browser. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had a moment I, in the last oh. couple of days. I had a moment when I was listening to chapter 6. I heard it. And then we talked and made some decisions. And I'm telling you, I feel like a new person. Like my mind cleared. And all of a sudden, things I couldn't hear, I could hear again. You know? Like when your ear gets stopped up and you've been swimming and then all of a sudden it all comes out and you're like, oh, wow, I can hear, I can yeah. hear. That's kind of what I felt like this week. And it was like, I've, we've been going through this book and I haven't been able to receive it or something. And now there's something taken out of the way. Well, I needed chapter six mm-hmm. because it was, I, I read that during those, there was, again, there was about a week of just dark 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 not good at all and it was it was timely i needed it um i think this book like there are (laughs) there are certain pastors on television that bring comfort because it's like easy listening you know of sermon and i think this brings comfort but it doesn't feel theologically unsound (laughs) like does that make sense I don't want to throw out names Old of specific. Joel Steen? Who'd you say? Yeah, what? yeah. Um, <laughs> Old J. O. J. Steen. O. A. Well, it, it like this brings me comfort, but at the same time, I'm like, but this is truth. It's not like fluff. Yeah. It's it's still deep theological truths that are being stated here and explained here, but at the same time, it, it also brings a lot of. There's comfort. a concrete foundation that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Or a framework in which to. Mm-hmm. Not just a feeling, yeah. but a framework. Yeah. I'm probably digressing, but we're good at that. That's fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when, I, when I read intercession is the constant hitting the refresh of our justification, it's kind of like learning the same thing, but in a different phase of life. Yeah. Sure. You know? You need to hear the same truths but they don't always hit the same way mm-hmm. because you've experienced other things you've lived through other things and so now they mean more or something different or hit a different spot mm-hmm. you know and that's kind of what I got from that statement is sometimes you need to hit refresh you know sometimes I need to hear again he's not sick of me and he's not going to get sick of me yeah he still loves me. He's still up there, you know, saying, God, you know, you made her, and you know, here we are. She's still lovable. Isn't she adorable? You know, like you guys do with the cat. Look at her little <laughs> sweet face. 
him. It's a him. him. It's a him. <laughs> I'm talking about myself. Oh. <laughs> I thought you were talking about the cat. The this is what cat. God is, this is what Jesus is saying to God. Look, she's oh. so cute. You know? Like y'all do with the Actually, cat. Actually, they hold the cat and go, he's so stupid. <laughs> we do. <laughs> Look yeah. how cute and stupid he is. Well, I had a friend, um, she teaches math, and she was talking about learning how to teach math to a first grader. Like, by the time you get to college to learn that, you already know math. Like, it's hard to think about how do I teach someone who doesn't know how to count what numbers are. So what they do is we base all of our math around five. Like, five is a, a unit because mm-hmm. that's how many fingers we have. Well, when they teach you how to teach first graders, they change it to four into units of four. So four is your whole hand. Like, that... So that it forces your brain to rethink about it. So that oh. it's like new again. So that yeah. you learn how to explain it to someone who doesn't understand like units of five. Yeah. Now you've had to change it. And I think it's like that. Like God also refreshes our knowledge be- because he wants us to pass that the news on to yeah. other people. You have to understand it in a way that you can explain it to others as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and sometimes it's those same basic truths that you've been hearing your whole Christian experience, but you hear it in a new way. Yeah. I always hated when people would, you know, when I was in the pastorate, and of course I'm thinking, you're thinking on a hundred different levels whenever you're getting ready and, and and that, but people would bring a little kid and be like, okay, they ask about baptism. <laughs> it's like a four-year-old kid. And like, oh, no. <laughs> Can you go find the Sunday school teacher? Because... No, <laughs> I can't. No, yeah. Like that is such a concrete thinker right there, and no. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, I like. I don't even remember the frame of the statement, but I underlined it. He said. He justifies us by bestowing upon us, not expecting from us. Mm-hmm. You know, and you just back into that idea of gifts and and uh, yeah, and talking about a bunion book. He's got to quit bringing up books. Like I, I need to get, I, I need yeah. to get rid of books. Yeah, I looked up a cute couple and yeah. I mean, there are so many references to different books in the year. Like it's not good. It's very well researched. <laughs> And he gives you all his sources. Yeah, when we when we read it in my Bible study, a couple of us were like, maybe we need to read more Puritan stuff. <laughs> but it's hard to read. Yeah, the, well, the quotes you can, he used, I'm like, the, <laughs> Richard Foster is the modern Puritan writer. Yeah. I don't know if he t- even talks about Foster, but but Foster is a, a modern Puritan writer. He's He's pretty easy to read. Well, even like Bunyan, like I knew Pilgrim's Progress, but he was like, Bunyan wrote 57 other books. I was like, what? <laughs> so he closes it out. He answers the question we asked earlier. I think we're just blowing through eight. But yeah, um, he says, Christ continues to intercede on our behalf in heaven because we continue to fail here on earth. Yeah. He does not forgive us through his work on the cross and then hope we make it the rest of the way. So he's just saying he's praying for you right now. Yeah, that that was a cool thought because he says our prayer life stinks most of the time. But what if you heard Jesus praying for you in the next room? Mm-hmm. Like that's that's pretty awesome to think about is it, that. Is it John fifteen or seventeen? It's the it's the shepherd's prayer. I always love that because I mean that that really is he's praying for his. He prays for his disciples, but he says not only these, but there's those mm-hmm. that will follow, and he prays for them. And I, I always love that because that's us. Like yeah. He he specifically, so you see how he's going to pray for us even now. And that like there's always people in your life like y'all were probably those people for a lot of teenagers of like like I might pray something for myself, but I feel like if you pray it, it's more effective. Like you've got God's ear more than I do. Um, and but imagine Jesus praying like Oh, absolutely. That's even further. His did so Jesus my my reality is in my brain. I just heard a firework go off to yeah. talk about yeah. is Jesus never prayed a prayer that didn't get answered. Right. Never. 
Like, I, there's no doubt in my mind, every single prayer that he ever prayed got answered. Mm-hmm. And one of the parts of the prayer is keep them. At, you know, keep them. And, and um, I mean, that's, there's a lot of comfort in that. Like, mm-hmm. you, you've brought them, now keep them. I've, I've declared, I've brought them, you keep them. Mm-hmm. And, and he's up there reminding God of that prayer. Okay, he's and he's so cute. Look at your stupid little face. (laughs) You got such a stupid little face. Look, look, God, his stupid little face. (laughs) Don't you just love his stupid little? He's an idiot. But you, you keep him. We're not saying you're stupid, though. <laughs> Sometimes that we're, we we're are. stupid. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're calling ourselves stupid. <laughs> yep. Alright, that's 6 through 8, so next time is 9, 10, and 11. Time is 9, 10, and 11. Um, Don't wait until the day of. Uh, <laughs> um, we will yeah. see you next week for a topic yeah. to be determined. Next week is a fun topic. We don't know what. <laughs> we're going to have fun. But it'll be fun. So, thanks for listening. Thought Alex was going to close it out. Oh, yeah, you opened. You closed. So, what we have learned applies to our lives today. No. Goodbye. Goodbye. (laughs) has a lot to say in his book. You see, we know that God's word is for everyone. Now that our song is done, let's take a look. (laughs) And then it makes the sound that it goes to a verse. Yeah. Yeah. And goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye! Wait, what is it? God made Made you special, special and and he he loves loves you very much. much. Goodbye! Goodbye.